you know, if you're not like 100% about something that's like almost done, then you're not going to be 100% when it's 100% done. Which is why like, you know, in songwriting, you should probably, if inspiration strikes, like finish it as fast as you can. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. My guest on this episode is Patrick Boutwell from the bands The Brother Kite and Snowplows. In our conversation, we cover the making of essentially every album he's recorded over the last couple of decades, including The Brother Kite's latest, which is entitled Make It Real, uh, that came out in August. A lot of the focus was on the inspiration behind his songwriting and style of playing. He also talks a little bit about some of the gear that he uses, which is incredible. And you'll probably pick up on the different ways his albums have been recorded and some of the varying lengths of time each took to complete. So I hope you enjoy, and please follow at Living Room UTB on Facebook and Instagram because I'll be posting some photos and show flyers and a whole bunch more from Patrick's time in music. My dad had had a uh, a couple of drum kits that um, he'd kind of collected. I think maybe like around the time that he was in the Navy and he kind of, he messed around on it, but I don't know. I don't know exactly how, um, how seriously he took it. I think it was just sort of like got them to just to mess around with them, which totally fine. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so, and in my case that was great because they were just in the house. And, uh, so we had, um, so yeah, we had moved from, uh, like the, like the town that I first grew up in, in New Hampshire to another town, the one that he, uh, uh, as it turns out, grew up in. And, uh, so, um, and they were just stashed in the attic, which was directly above my room. Like my, the, my closet had the staircase to the attic, uh, there. So I was, I just hung out there all the time. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I knew that they were there, but, um, had never really done anything with them. And, And I was like, um, I don't know, probably like 10 or 11 when I kind of dug them out and tried to set them up and like messed around with them. And it was really fun, but I could not, I couldn't get the coordination between my, uh, between my feet and my hands. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, I couldn't really like play stuff, uh, you know, like, like any drummer or aspiring one, when they first sit down to a kit, they just like go and whale or whatever. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then they just were set up and I didn't do anything with them for a long time. And then like, like a year later when I was 12, I sat down again and somehow I was able to do it. And I yeah. don't know what happened. <laughs> like maybe it's just like, you know, something clicked in my brain, like at some point, but, uh, but yeah. And then, um, yeah. Then from there it was, uh, you know the normal like listen to records uh play along to stuff and yep. uh yeah about six months later it was when i uh started to learn guitar also 
Okay. Um, I had had one. I still have it actually. The um, uh, my sixth grade music teacher had bought a a Yamaha uh, like nylon string classical guitar uh, at like a, a yard sale or something, and uh, he like he bought it, but he was like, "Ah, eh, it's all right. It's not for me though." And he like just I don't know. In class one day, he was like, "Yeah, you know, if any of your." you know, if any of you are interested in the guitar, ask your parents, like, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'd be willing to let this thing go for like 50 bucks or something. And I told my mom and, uh, and yeah. And so she <laughs> ended up buying it and, uh, yeah. And that's, yeah. The guitar that I learned, um, how to play on, which was, I mean, I didn't think it was very weird, but like I have big hands. I always kind of have been a bigger fellow um and uh so uh you know classical guitar neck is uh, quite a bit wider than yeah most other ones so um and uh in the way i play guitar it's much more like in like an older style where instead of playing like bar chords or whatever you kind of like wrap your thumb around like the top uh, okay so, and, uh, yeah, yeah. so which was like you know, for, for that sort of neck, it's like really kind of hard to do with a neck that, that is that wide. So, but I ended up managing to learn. And then once I moved over to, uh, to electric guitars, it was like, like, to, you know, just like, what is even happening right now? There's so much <laughs> room to do stuff. And uh, yeah. so, um, but yeah, so guitar playing and drumming kind of moved along at kind of the same pace. Uh, so, uh, and how were you learning? Were you um... um so I I didn't have drum lessons until much like much later after I had um started playing like I, I think it was maybe like five years after I had started playing. But uh up until then it had been um I really just watching watching videos. I mean we had really? uh yeah. Um same same thing with guitar too. Like uh like for, instructional videos like oh no like um oh, like, like queen concert videos oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> like uh yeah i um you know and i think like any young person who is um you know watching uh you know musicians that they admire like you know very early on you sort of adopt the sort of um you know sonic signatures that some people have yeah. and uh <laughs> and uh but yeah, for guitar, uh, you know, I, I had kind of done, um, hadn't really like taken lessons, but it was around the time that I had, um, like general music classes in junior high and, um, uh, and I had a music teacher who I loved so much. Like he, uh, he was in a band himself. Like, it's weird to think like, you know, at the time, he was like 29 years old and it just like, I would never have been able to like tell you how old he was like at the time. But like looking back on, it, I was like, yeah, the dude wasn't even 30 yet. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, so he, he played in a band called the weaklings in Boston and, uh, ended up putting out a record, uh, called remarkably good. And, uh, and it was, it's like, still just like, not just like, you know, just like among the people that that had class with him 
and like know him and whatever like we're all like obsessed with this record because it's very good like right. it's a it's a very accurate title to the, to the <laughs> album yeah. um and uh but yeah so he uh he was really into the beatles and uh and a lot of um you know a lot of stuff that i liked too and mm-hmm. uh yeah and then from there uh i think like 1994 i remember on pbs because it was like the 25th anniversary of uh the woodstock concert yeah um they were showing the movie on pbs a lot and the who is like prob like pete townsend's probably the reason why i do 90 percent of what i do uh yeah i i mean if i were to like turn the camera there are there are many like many things concerning the who on my wall. (laughs) Um, But uh, so, yeah. um, And uh, so a lot of like learning how to play guitar was like watching their segment on a, uh, in the Woodstock movie and just like, just being like laser focused on Pete Townsend's hands and what he was Mm -hmm. doing. And um, which kind of explains the, the wrap around uh, the neck uh, thing that I was saying before, but uh, and yeah, that's just basically how how I operated. I mean, like I have I have a good ear, like I can figure out things pretty quickly, and uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, it helped to have a visual reference. So, uh, the, I'm, I, yeah, that's pretty much how it started. <laughs> yeah, when did you start playing in bands? When I was fifteen. Um, so there was. Uh, in that music class that we had in school, uh, anybody who showed sort of promise at their instrument would kind of be corralled into, uh, into a small office space where there was like band gear. And so you'd, so we would have like, you know, you know, everybody else like learning whatever they were learning, uh, on the various instruments in the, in the main, uh, music room. And then the ensembles would just like, you know, figure out songs or like be mm-hmm. given songs by, uh, by Mr. Jordan, and um, and we'd just have to learn them. So, and then uh, we would have, um, I mean, it, like they were billed as talent shows. Really, it was just like a showcase night for uh, for the ensembles. Uh, it would be like a couple a couple acts here, a couple acts there, like playing stuff for their class. But then it was basically just like okay and here's you know like it turned into a nightclub it's just like all right here's a set from a band and then like yeah like stop and then here's another band um and uh so i got i got a lot of experience like playing with people that way and then i had kind of reconnected with um the singer of another it wasn't really a band that had showed up but it was like he and another guy uh like who had um, were just doing something in the next town over and uh mm-hmm. and there's like uh the two other dudes that were in the group that we were doing were friends with them and uh the singer was actually a kid that I had gone to um like first and second grade with and then he moved away and it was like oh hey Greg like what are you doing here <laughs> and um and and then I ended up uh joining another band of his uh which was called beefcake messiah <laughs> and, right. um, uh and uh that was a um uh it was like an eight person 
band that was very um like very much like um like like a bit more of a happy Mr. Bungle. Um, okay. if, that, if that makes any like sense, California I mean, era of Mr. Uh, no, more like <laughs> more like the earlier records. Oh, okay, um, all right. It was like We're just happy. I mean, all right, all right. The uh, I mean, we did cover. Um, but it was the first show that I did with them. Uh, it was at a thing at their school, and we performed. Everyone I went to high school with is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a it was a fun toe tapper of a night. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh but yeah, so we were um we were quite popular in that that particular like wedge of uh of New Hampshire. And we mm-hmm. uh so um And yeah, what we were you played, playing in that band? Were you I was playing drums in that band. Okay. Um and so yeah, I mean that's that's definitely like the band that um made me start to think like a bit more seriously about uh about stuff Yeah, so where did it kind of go from there? I, like, I, um, when did you connect with John Downs from uh, Brother K? Because he's from New Hampshire as well, correct? He or? is from New Hampshire. He's from um, like a couple towns over the other way uh, from those other guys. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I met him, I think I first knew about him because of a, like a mutual friend of ours. Um, like I didn't even know that he played guitar at the time because what he was doing was like doing a lot of um just like a lot of like vinyl record work like you know you just like taking beats from other things and just vocal parts from other things and just like making oh, like mashing mashups or whatever yeah. yeah yeah okay so uh and i was like wow i know literally no one who does that that's pretty it's pretty awesome yeah, so yeah. and uh and then ran into him at the uh at market basket and uh and wrote his phone number down on my jacket and uh <laughs> and um and then uh John and I ended up in a band together called uh called PMP and um that was more of a uh I don't know it's, it's like a like a like there were some ska elements to it kind of punky elements to it but like like I don't it wasn't the sort of thing where like everyone was like, like really gung ho about that, like that specific style of music. And everyone was kind of like coming at it from like, uh, uh, different angles. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a pretty fun, um, 
that was a pretty fun band. And uh, like John, I feel like our roles were very, very clear cut where John would be playing the more conservative guitar parts and all of mine would be absolutely nuts. Like, <laughs> like just ve- like, I remember there was one song where we had, um, there were like uh, sort of like, almost call and response like guitar solo so john would have a solo and do whatever and like i would you know do something that was just like a bunch of noise with a fuzz pedal or whatever (laughs) and just go back and forth and uh i remember one of them there was uh i'd found a bunch of um christmas ornaments in the in the uh like in the music room that was like connected to the stage and i was like oh i'm gonna use these for the for the solo <laughs> so like i put down my guitar and was just throwing throwing christmas ornaments at it for the guitar solo <laughs> you know that's that's the kind of thing that i was into at the time. <laughs> yeah yeah wow but i was like well you know uh, dare to be different i guess um, <laughs> but uh so yeah and then and that was when um I think that was John's senior year of high school. And, uh, and he was, um, I think he was always going to be going, Oh, not that's right. He went to, uh, Keene state for a year and, uh, and then transferred to Rick. And, um, like at that point, I think when he moved, I was like, well, like I'd much rather be in a band with him than like, do really any of the stuff that I'm doing because I'd started to write music by then and uh it's like well we share similar sensibilities like we we should probably be working together so eventually I moved here yeah so that was 2002 when I moved here and uh and yeah and like pretty shortly after the uh, uh the brother kite formed oh, okay who was in the band at the time I know it's pretty much been the same lineup but mm-hmm. you you played Drums on the first record, correct? I did play right? drums on the first record. Uh, so, like, how how was that first record or written, or how did the band kind of form? Was uh, with you um, and John at the nucleus, I guess. I mean, at first it was like, you know, we talked about, you know, starting a group, and we traded, um, you know, things that we were listening to. Like he, I remember he made like like a mix CD of, you know, it was like the first time that I'd ever heard "Built to Spill." Uh-huh. for instance and uh and i was like like pumping him with like a bunch of jesus and mary chain records and stuff okay and uh and um so just like yeah like you know it's like if we can sort sort of do like that sort of thing together uh that would be pretty cool and i also <laughs> like i you know i have a like a long-standing love for super drag like i love that yeah, band yeah. so much um i've seen them like five or six times um and uh but yeah so and i had like you know really kind of practiced um singing and playing guitar to their um to their albums really in order to learn how to how to kind of try to become a singer <laughs> and, oh, okay uh, yeah and like just the mechanics of doing that of like yeah playing yeah yeah. Guitar. yeah yeah just i remember many times like just like driving around like late at night in New Hampshire, just singing, singing to those albums. Like I remember like, you know, like going through regretfully yours, like three times, like, and just singing it the entire way uh, every time. And, um, you know, we were kind of trading stuff like that. And uh, like, it was more of like an equal partnership writing wise at the time. 
And okay, uh, were you like writing individually though? And then like, yeah, sort of like, like yeah. There hasn't there hasn't been a lot of um a lot of like, hey, you and I, we're going to sit down right now and work on a song together. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's if anything, like the closest that it gets to is like, I'm kind of stuck. Do you have anything? Like, yeah, sure. And then you get something and it's like, all right, well, nice, nice doing business with you. Yeah. <laughs> Transactional. Um, like, Thank you, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like checks in the mail. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and that was a, um, we, we did a, I think like six song demo that, like predates the the first album by like a year or two i think okay that was that was like just just john and i okay and i and i think there were maybe two songs that uh that made it from there to to being in the batch of songs that the album is made up of yep um and so yeah we ended up placing an ad in um i think this was just before I had moved, I think. Because uh, it was all like, like I got here and then things started moving pretty quickly. Um, but I remember John, because of the built to spill thing, he was really like, we really need to have three guitar players. And oh, okay. like, I'm like, are you sure? Because <laughs> like, that's a lot of guitar. Like two is, you know, that's... That you can make a lot of noise with too. It's like we gotta have yeah. So um <laughs> he put an ad on Harmony Central, um <laughs> which uh I don't know when the last time you heard that was, but uh Harmony oh, yeah. Central put an ad on there and um Mark Howard, uh the third guitarist, was the person who got back to us. And mm-hmm. I remember we ended up going to the Warwick Newberry comics to meet him for the first time. Yeah. And uh yeah, drove around chatting, listening to music. We had um I remember like we bought like like burger making materials and vanilla coke because vanilla coke was like the first like <laughs> that was like the first time we had ever seen it. And yeah. uh and yeah, we just like just hung out for the afternoon and just like chatted and listened to music and stuff. And then and like Andrea was sort of like around from the get-go, um like kind of like getting off the ground playing bass and stuff, but uh, like she was still in school and uh, like focusing on that. So she didn't kind of factor in until a little later. Okay. And um, our first drummer is, uh, was Dave Tutkin from, uh, from Herman the Great and Black Oil Incinerator. Oh yeah, um, okay. And for whatever reason, things uh, didn't end up working out with him, even though we're like, we're all, like in love with that guy he's he's a he's a very very wonderful man and uh but yeah it just didn't didn't click um at the time uh matt was dating julie who is mark's sister and this is this sounds more scandalous than it is but who is now my wife um uh it it's it's a yeah i it's hard to talk about this sort of thing because it just it seems more like ooh like <laughs> salacious than it actually was but uh yeah. so anyway uh, that's how he knew matt and uh so he brought in matt and um yeah and then i think by that point we had been uh i think we did a, i mean i don't know how many shows but it was like a, a year or two of shows and 
and that's like, when what, we started. What year was this when, like, uh... um, so the first album came out in 2004. I think, I think that Matt was in the band after, um, after it had come out. Uh, like, I don't, I don't totally remember like the sort of dateline where yeah. that happened, but, but yeah, so we had, uh, we had at that point been recording pretty much exclusively in uh john downs's childhood bedroom in his parents house in mason new hampshire and uh, like that that whole album was like like with the exception of the drums uh for like one like the last song on there which we did in his living room downstairs we did like in his bedroom so uh yeah his parents were very cool they still continue to be very cool and uh and they were like we love having you guys at the house it's you know it's yeah it's fun having a house full of people you cannot record in the the bedroom in the bedroom it is is just so loud like you can't you can't do anything uh but um the compromise that was uh that was brought up was um john's dad who uh who was like he's a forester in new hampshire but he also uh uh would buy cars at auction and rebuild them and you know and then sell them that uh-huh. you know he would just that was what he did like uh spent most of his time on and he was like i need more space for that i have plans to build a three-bay garage if you guys help me build that garage, I will plan a second story for it. And the second story can be the place where you guys record. Wow. And yeah. And so we'd be fools to not um, take him up on that. So uh, yeah, I think it was probably about a year we were uh, like playing shows and getting together um, like material that was going to be waiting for the time to be right. I think when we finally finished the studio, we maybe only had like four songs at the at the um, uh, at the time ready for uh, getting down to business with. Uh huh. But yeah, so I think I believe we dropped off our gear. Like we played a show. It's like our first show that we ever had in Canada. Like we played a show, and then um, uh, I think like the next night uh, we drove from there to New Hampshire and that was like, all right, well, like the Canada trip was like the last thing before we like put our gear in the studio and have it live at the studio until, until this thing is done. Yeah. And, um, it was definitely a new writing experience. Cause I, um, like it, like it really can't be understated how, how important, um, a role technology played in that, um, like in the like sort of the inner workings leading up to uh the record and like the demo stage oh, uh, like um <clears throat> well i had only had uh in in order to you know like the tools that i had at my disposal for uh for demoing stuff uh mm-hmm. you know like for many years was a task am 424 uh four track cassette job um yeah. and uh then kind of graduated up to an eight track cassette. Um, same, same deal. Task game was like a 680, 688 MIDI studio. And, um, and then, 
like in 2003, like I finally bought a computer. <laughs> and it's like I was one of the only people that I uh, like, I just, I'm the only person that I knew who did not have a computer yet. And uh, so, uh, so I finally, like, you know, bit the bullet and got um, uh, an Apple eMac. And, uh, and GarageBand, uh, at the time came loaded on that, like just out of the box and, um, being able to have access to even like simple stuff, like, you know, being able to like play around with vocal effects. And, you know, if you had a, if you had a keyboard, um, that had, uh, like a USB, you, you could like, you know, trigger, um, trigger sounds in it uh via midi and um and that sort of thing but uh yeah like that that was like (laughs) having access to that was like like you know just like letting a kid loose in a toy store and you know just yeah, yeah and um being able to play around with that sort of thing um you know it was like it was exciting. It was like a, like a completely new way of working for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. And I think like the more that I did it, the more fun I was having. And like, you know, it just kind of snowballed, like, uh, like at the height of, um, working on that record, I remember like, I mean, I think like during that period, I don't think there was, there was probably like a good like two and a half year stretch of time where I did not spend one single weekend in Rhode Island. You know, yeah. like I would work all week, you know, like, uh, like kind of the same for all of us, but like, um, you know, I would get home from work, uh, pretty much immediately sit down and start working on music. And I wouldn't stop until like eight or nine o'clock. And then I would go to bed and then my day, it would just repeat like that. And then on Fridays, we would go up uh, after work. Like, I wouldn't even go home after work. Like, I would just go straight from work in Providence to Mason to go record. And, we, you know, we'd stay there for, like, days. And then, like, Sunday night, come back and do that again. Uh-huh. And it just, that's just how it kept on going. And was everyone going up? At, for that amount of time too, or was it up more like Mark much. and Matt and stuff hanging back pretty, a little bit or everyone was going up and working on I, it? I think for the most part, everyone was there. I think like, uh, even if people weren't needed, like a particular, um, a particular weekend, they would come out you know, they would play like, uh, you know, whatever video games were available in our <laughs> little lounge area that we yeah, made. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and then I think that a lot of them wanted to be around for, you know, for the making of, of what we were doing because yeah, I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it wasn't every day where we were like, yeah, we're just, you know, recording a record at a studio that we literally made with our bare hands and, uh, you know, and just, we have the ability to do literally whatever we want. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, there were some weekends where, you know, where people couldn't, you know, it's, it's normal. Yeah, so, but, generally, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think, I think towards the end where it was a lot of vocals and like little things, it like, I remember some where it was definitely just, uh, just John and I working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember like the title track, like doing waiting for the time to be right. Like I remember him in the control room, 
doing whatever mixing that he was doing. And I think he was like, he was having a bit of a, um, a bit of a time trying to figure out what he was doing. And unfortunately I don't remember what that was, but, uh, I remember I was in the main room with, uh, like with the organ, which I don't know if you can see, it's the same organ that's like right behind me, uh, in the, in the frame. So, yeah. And I think I was like, just racking my brains trying to figure out a bridge to that song and yeah and it was the sort of thing where you're just like you're sitting there doing something and then you like play something by accident but it ended up being awesome and <laughs> like like i did not mean to play that chord where can this go and then it was yeah. like like oh cool 10 minutes later the bridge is done and this song is done you know yeah. and it was like you know, we'd like, and I mean, and he had had like a similar thing. He's just like, Oh dude, you got to come listen to this. And I'm like, well, okay. But you know, buckle up. Cause I got something for you too. <laughs> Do you remember some of the places you were playing uh, in Rhode Island early on? Uh, yeah. So the, yeah, the living room was the, like the very, very first show that the brother kite played. Um, awesome. Yeah. And uh, we told no people about it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think this is more like, I mean, I think John pushed hard for that. And I think that's when I realized, uh, like oh like this maybe this is like a performance anxiety thing or or whatever but like oh but i think it was like like this could this could go poorly and (laughs) if it like you know i don't want the first show to be like really discouraging so i'm just gonna tell zero people about it but um (laughs) but yeah it's and it went fine i mean it's fine as first shows go Mm -hmm. um that uh pole in the middle of the stage was uh really something uh it's like (laughs) right where i had to stand so i'm like cool i got this pole in front of me um and i don't know if that was the night that our our like guitar cases were like they were like stacked in a spot and then it was raining uh i I think this is a different night that we played living room but i do remember this absolutely happened there where like you know, we went to like pick up our guitar cases. It was like, why is why are guitar cases wet? And it's like, is there a there's a hole in the roof? <laughs> like it is raining and it is falling directly through the roof onto our gear. Like, oh man. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I I don't know. Uh, is like yeah, it, it was a quirky place. I, I do miss that place yeah. quite a bit. Um, but yeah. we were. Um, 
playing there, playing, um, play the Safari Lounge once. Um, we played the Century Lounge and the Call. We played a lot. We were there quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I feel like we played we played Providence and uh, the Fall River, New Bedford area a lot. Like we played New Wave quite a bit, Bridge Street Station. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those, those types of places. And then we, uh, yeah. And then we started touring and like, we like done the like Boston show and like New York and stuff. And then, and yeah, I think once, um, it's probably just before waiting for the time to be right came out, we started to do, um, some touring. Uh, uh, yeah. And I think, um, isolation, I think was just, that one was completely done a year before it had been released because i think at that that point we had like it it very well could have come out in 2009 but uh you know like i think we had taken a long time to make and uh it was um you know i think we had been uh contacted by uh jack jaguar about um like potentially them putting out that album which is cool until like we sent it to them and then didn't hear anything from them ever again. <laughs> oh really they never <laughs> yeah it's, it's too bad um but uh so yeah the record was mixed with um uh with tom monahan who uh did a bunch of pernice brothers oh, okay. um all sorts of stuff so yeah they ended up um like the rest of the band uh, met him in, I think, Sacramento. And um, uh, they spent like a week or so there um, mixing the record. But when did you start writing that record then? Um, I had started working on uh, Martyr for the Cause before Waiting for the Time to Rewrite was done. Uh, like okay. I remember, like I remember, like I remember working on that, like like at the very very tail end of uh, of waiting for the time to be right. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah, I don't think there was necessarily any like big breaks in between. Um, you know, I think it was probably like, you know, there's probably like a grace period of like you know, two months or something where I like would just be driving around listening to the new record and uh, trying to absorb all that and then being like, all right, well, you you know, you just, you got to get back to work, dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So yeah. Uh, Yeah. Not not long after. um, Yeah. To me, it, it seems like it's, there's a little bit more of a, concept feel behind that record than some of your other stuff i mean even with the name of it the imagery that's on there is that um something that was intentional is something that you planned like is it uh yeah kind of um yeah there had been you know i think like a lot i think just like a lot was happening and it was hard to process um okay you know like uh uh yeah, I don't know. I I think things in general, um, you know, starting to change and having 
you know, having difficulty like processing change, which is, you know, that's, that's like pretty characteristic of me as a person. So, uh, and, uh, but yeah, and I think like with, um, you know, like being in a relationship, being in the band, like having, um, you know, I think like, uh, like ties to my hometown sort of like, uh, not in a bad way, like dissolving, but like it just, you know, um, you know, I, I liked where I'm, where I'm from and like really loved going there. But like at that, at that point in time, uh, like my parents had, uh, like, you know, I think like my dad had not been living there for a while. Then my mom moved away. My grandfather had passed away. Like, uh, uh, actually, no, I, at that point he was still there, but like, it was, um, you know, it was just like, it was getting like later in, in his life and stuff. So it was just like a lot of, um, you know, being there a lot was, was very nice and important and i would you know when we were doing way the time we write i would be going and uh you know like every once in a while i'd be uh like staying at my mom's just for like a change of scenery and um i remember that being really nice and um uh yeah like very welcome because of like you know just having like a bit of a break of like working so so much um and then uh but yeah, and so having, um, so I think like having her move away too, it was, it was tough because I had really enjoyed going back so often and now did not have so much of a reason to be in that town at all. <laughs> so okay. it was yeah. really like kind of a, kind of a weird moment in time. I mean, I guess on the other side of that, you know, the next record, Model Rocket, uh, mm-hmm. seemed to be a much more um, you know, straightforward. <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah, a little bit more, pep, uh-huh. more pep in your step there. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, it just has kind of, I don't know. I mean, it also has a little bit of a different sound than some of the earlier stuffs, so more kind of straightforward, um, kind of hold steady, kind of ish stuff mm. I guess, in a sense. But uh, um, and and to me, it all, like. I guess that one thing that's that's interesting uh, to me is just like how it seems that John is kind of coming out a little bit more in, in the the last couple of records. Um, yeah. Like mm-hmm. if that was something that, um, that, like how did that transition come about from, from your view? Like as he just um, wanted to, you know, sing lead stuff more or was he writing more songs or? No, I mean, it's... Um... Yeah, I mean, certainly not like a conscious thing at all. Uh, I mean, he's always uh, like written stuff like at the same time that I've written stuff. Just like the, I think the way that we work is kind of different. I think he'll 
Um, like I think he'll spend more time, uh, like on one, like in at least in the past anyway. Like um, he would uh, like really work on like a single song and like get it like exactly how he how he wanted to be, um, and uh, and then I guess. I mean, like, same thing with me. It's just, I feel like he would be very focused on, like, one thing while I would be, like, there'd be, I feel like, very large gaps of time where I'd be, like, having a tough time trying to finish things. And then, like, ever so slowly, like, you know, one thing would fall into place and then it would be, like, oh. And then for some reason, like, that thing would connect something else in my brain to another song. And then suddenly I would have, like, three or four songs done. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and, yeah, I don't know. And I think most of the time, I think, like, earlier on, we were going to, uh, I think the division of songs was going to be more equal. Um, but I think by the time we started to work on waiting for the time to rewrite we uh like i think he was much more focused on the um the technical side of like recording, recording. Yeah. and um and and i think i was just like well i mean we can't both be you know, like i'm interested in that too but like one of us has to be doing <laughs> one of us has to be like generating stuff for us to do so i yeah. like i'm like more than happy to be be that person but uh yeah um but yeah so and i think um but yeah i think uh definitely um like definitely on this last record like he's yeah i think his like writing and like he's definitely getting much more confident in uh in his songwriting and it's like uh -huh. it's interesting to hear because it's like yeah like there's some like there was i forget what song it was but like he was like oh yeah i don't i don't really i don't know about this like i, I feel like the performance isn't really that great like uh like i'm just trying it's like well like like let's hear it and then he played it for me i'm like dude what are you what are you talking about <laughs> it's like that yeah. is like it, I, it may have been even like dream to me i think i think it was that song it's just like you're a maniac like that sounds awesome like i don't know yeah. what your problem is but yeah with uh with model rocket was that done still in new hampshire was that when you were transitioning to um because the new studio is now down in attleboro massachusetts is that right or is that that's correct yep um so yeah i think a lot of um a lot of what you had said before about the the sound of the record being much more sort of uh straightforward and uh like kind of different than the other stuff like had it, it was a direct result of um us kind of moving our operations to uh to like closer to home yeah and um because uh i think uh by that time um uh john's parents were selling their house in mason and we're going to be moving uh, a few towns over and so the recording space was no longer going to be available to us mm -hmm. um so uh in that time, John and Andrea had bought a house and they, um, like their garage space, they, you know, converted into, uh, uh, into an area that like, you know, like if you were like standing in the driveway and, uh, you had your ear like pressed against the door, you might be able to hear a band playing, but like they were right next to 95 
like and no neighbors were going to be bothered by anything that we were doing in that house. <laughs> uh, so yeah. it was like it was it was definitely like nice to um to have that sort of space available, like so available, like that um you know one of yeah. us you know they were just they were living there it was their house yeah so uh, the trip for you was yeah like whatever you yeah know, it was like you know half, <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah versus like two hours yeah right so um uh but um on the flip side of that like i mean they you know the process had begun on them selling the house and whatever but uh like a lot of the keyboard stuff was still uh, was still in the studio. So like, uh, you know, like this, like this organ that I have is, you know, like, <laughs> like it's somehow magical. I don't know why. Like it just, it, there have been so many times where like I've been, you know, like, like wondering what a part could be. And, I, you know, more times than I can remember, like I just like, sitting down and like trying to figure out on the organ and manage to kind of work my way out of, uh, out of a jam. And, uh, and so it was, uh, yeah, it was very, very useful for, uh, for like getting me to think differently, uh, Mm -hmm. and try to try to like fix my situation if I got stuck. Um, I didn't have that for, uh, for any of model rocket. And, uh, so it was really, um, I think just as a matter of happenstance, it was like, just, well, we have, we have guitars here. What can we do with guitars? Um, and, uh, so yeah, like a lot of it was, um, um, yeah, like pretty guitar heavy as a result. Um, but yeah. And then again, that, um, uh, so yeah, the old, uh, the old AJ land, um, practice space, uh, you know, like the drums we did cause they sounded great in there. There was a piano in there. Any of the piano that was on that record was, um, yeah, just the, like this random, random console piano that, uh, that was there. That was, uh, pain in the ass to tune and a pain in the ass to keep in tune, uh, <laughs> but um, managed to get the takes that we needed, and yep. uh, and then that was that. Uh, cool. Yeah, um, and then yeah, and then the rest is just done at um, at uh, John's place in in Attleboro. And yeah, I mean, from what you had said earlier, it sounds like you, uh, that record came out in 2013, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, that you were even starting on Make It Real about that same time as well. Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. uh, So 
Yeah, I mean the the make it real stuff has been, uh, yeah, definitely like a long time coming. I mean, there's some there are some songs on there that I believe were mostly recorded at John and Andrea's old house. Like, so they've um, they now have a new residence in uh, in Attleboro. And uh, the majority of the record was done there. But there were, like, quite a few things. Um, I think... um, I think Hopeless Ghost was done there. And I think the drums for Dream to Me were were done there, I think. Okay. Um, So, yeah, there have been things that have been uh, kicking around for a long time. Yeah. And... uh, uh, But, yeah... Let's see. I mean, I, I think we had started working on it uh, here and there, and um, yeah, I think I think it's just people, you know, like it, it happens to everybody. People get older, and people start having families, and uh, and you know, I think it was just getting tougher to um, to kind of like get together and uh, get get things happening, you know, like. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's tough with us. Like once you're outside of, um, regular band practice, like it's, it can be tough to, to even get in the room (laughs) with us. Uh, we, yeah, it's just like, uh, like if we, if we don't have an established, like, you know, like Wednesday night, we're going to, we're going to meet and we're going to do stuff. We'll talk about this and whatever, like, you know, it's it can be really difficult to kind of corral everybody. Oh, okay. Um, well, which is now, like, yeah, like families yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think John eventually, like, we had, um, yeah, I mean, we had all those songs like nearly finished and just sitting on his hard drive. And I think he just took a look at him one day. He's like, I cannot, I, I can't open this folder again and like, you know, think that I'm going to tweak this and then it'll be over again. Just like, like we, these are basically done. Like we need to just finish these. Like they're yeah. so close. Let's just do it, put it out and call it, you know? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, cause I mean, we, there are a couple that are still, uh still on that hard drive um and uh like need you know need vocals or something but uh but i mean like the one in question that i'm thinking of i don't don't even know like some like sometimes there are songs that uh are you know old enough and um you know, maybe not exactly like how you operate nowadays where like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, I mean, I could, I could finish this, but like when I do like, eh, <laughs> is it going to make any difference whatsoever? Like, just like, no, I, I is it going to be a masterpiece after it? No, it's like, it's still going to be the same song. Like I'm still probably going to feel the exact same way about it. And it's like, if you're, <laughs> You know, if you're not like 100% about about something that's like almost done, then you're not going to be 100% when it's 100% done. So, okay. um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, which is 
which is why like you know in songwriting you should probably you know if you, if inspiration strikes like finish it as fast as you can you know because <laughs> yeah, like, like well, you it's have it, like, yeah mind or whatever yeah yeah like yeah because or, or else you know if it stays around too long i mean uh don't ask why on the new record like i remember um i demoed that at that aj land space on <laughs> on good friday of 2013 and uh okay. we used to, like i remember that because we used to get that day off at at that job and i was like well yeah you know what i'm gonna like i have nothing to do like julie's gonna be at work like i'm gonna spend the day uh in the studio and and demo some stuff and like yeah. the music had been done since 2013 and and uh and like it just and it was just like around forever and i was like god i really like this but what you know is this going to be one of those ones that just like you know dies a painful death because i just can't finish it and i'm so happy that it like not only like finished it but it's like it is you know it it turned out how it did because i I, yeah, I really yeah. really like it yeah how else was the the rest of it like did you do recordings and batches or was it like a song at a time like like how uh, spread out was it like i know that the <laughs> timeline of like starting to getting it out but was there like you know a, a couple of months in you know one year that that you actually did a bulk of it and then there was a big gap or was it i mean spread out over kind of all all of that like it was yeah. pretty much all of that i mean <laughs> yeah. like very very you know for the first time ever like we were very stop and start about it and okay. um yeah I, I don't know i mean um i think i mean at that point snowplows was a thing although i wasn't like you know i mean all of them are of the understanding like if i have like you know, if I have TBK business to do, like, that's, you know, like it was my thing long before Snowplows was and we'll like work around it or whatever. But it's not like I was like so busy with Snowplows that, uh, that I wasn't able to tend to, uh, like songwriting duties and things yeah. like that. I think, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you were just, you know, talking about snowplows, and I'd love mm -hmm. to uh, talk a little bit about how that started. Um, 
you know, uh, and how you connected with, with Jesse Marsh and, um, you know, how the band has evolved. So, all right. Um, so I think there was one show at, uh, New Ave Cafe in New Bedford that like the three bands that were on the bill were, uh, were in, in the, in the set order was Mast, which, uh, which Matt Damaris and Brian Williams of Snowplows, uh, was in, it was their previous band before Snowplows, uh, the brother kite and then nature nurture, uh, which had, um, like a few members from, uh, rooftop suicide club, which was a band that, that the brother kite played with a ton and like, we're still all like very chummy with each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so Jesse played bass for that band. And I remember, uh, um, we were like loading up the vehicle, uh, after, um, after our set and um, we were just about done and like uh, nature nurture had set up and Jesse, like, like I, they were like, Oh yeah, just, all right. So like uh, test the bass. And, and, and he ended up playing like the first song off of uh, Milo goes to college by the descendants. <laughs> and I flipped out because like, I don't know anybody else out of like my very, very small friend group who listened to that band. And it was, yeah. it, it was eye opening later when I found out like, like, Oh geez, like there are so many people who listen to this band. I just didn't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. You go to and, the fast down and you're like, Oh, everyone. Listens yeah. To <laughs> holy shit. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so he did that. I was like, Oh man. So uh, later after the, after the show, I was like, dude, and then uh, yeah. it was like, oh yeah, that's all rules and whatever. And then like, um, and I think we uh, like definitely sort of like quickly bonded over that. And, and I didn't know that he lived in Providence until, you know, well, until he told me like a second after I met him, <laughs> but like, and, you know, I just, I, I had kind of, I'd seen him in the band. I just, you know, I'd never talked to him before. And, uh, and, uh, it's like, Oh yeah, like, cool. You're like, we should hang out. And, uh, and he's definitely the type of person where like, Oh yeah, we should hang out. He will definitely be like, yeah, we're going to do that. And you do it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah, we were very friendly. And then, um, there i think he turned 30 there was like a 30th uh little gathering at the wild colonial and um and it was uh like jesse and sarah his wife and uh brian and matt from mast and their girlfriends and so i think like we were talking about an upcoming show at like 201 or whatever and um like mast had played it and i asked questions about the room and whatever and then um it was around the time where i was like i think i had moved into the aj space and um uh like jesse and i had kind of done like jesse had some songs that he wanted to demo and i helped him do those at john's uh john recorded i played the drums and um so yeah and i guess like um like mast had broken up and uh we'd heard that uh brian and matt were looking for a space to put their gear and to write stuff 
and there was space in that space and mm-hmm. it's like oh hey well you i mean yeah it's open yeah you could come over and whatever so um yeah i mean at first it was very like loose like oh yeah you're here to play drums well yeah we would love to like have a drummer to jam with sometimes and whatever and uh and then they invited jesse along and then yeah i don't know it just kind of happened okay uh, yeah it was very um yeah it felt very like by accident um <laughs> uh yeah just like having it just sort of happen the way it did was uh was interesting and then like yeah and then everything was just like oh yeah well yeah we should do this this is it sounded pretty good so um so yeah and then that's 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 about that yeah, yeah. and roughly what year was that was that uh, uh 2010 i think okay um uh around that um yeah and how has that felt for you like has the band been a uh a good change from being the front man main songwriter to like getting to hang out in the back playing drums and uh, (laughs) play loud (laughs) uh yeah it's um you know i think because like for such a long time like I didn't consider myself a guitarist really, you know, like I'd always identified myself as like, as a drummer in bands and, you know, like, you know, there were like, you know, there was one other band that I had been in that I like played guitar and sang in, uh, before, um, before the brother kite, but it was much more casual. And, uh, but yeah, so once I, um, you know, once I started writing and I moved here, like it, it was tough because I didn't really have, I didn't really have like my own space to really like play drums that much, if at all. And uh, so having, having had that space, um, even if Snowplows had not come along, having like the space to do it was like, it was so nice to just be able to like play again. But having like having a group of dudes who are as cool and as like they're like some of the nicest people that you'll ever meet i mean they're completely ridiculous um and yeah i don't know i i feel like it's it's like such a um you know such a situation where it's like i'm able to like anything that i have ever learned and like employed on the drums like you know it it will you know it has found its way into into something that snowplows has done so like uh i don't know it's been a very like like a very freeing experience to be uh to be the drummer of that band because it's you know i'm uh not like allowed to go crazy or whatever on the drums but i mean they're like you know, if I come up with an idea that's, you know, maybe not the first thing that someone would think of to put in a song, mm-hmm. um, uh, like they will not immediately shoot it down. They will definitely like, it's like, it's like, all right, well, let's see if this works. And work like, if it does, way. yeah, let's, yeah. I mean, they're like three of the best musicians that I could ever have hoped to work with. And like, so yeah, it's a it's a wonderful experience playing drums with them. That's that's great. Mm. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. You've guys, you, uh, you guys have, uh, done a couple of records so far, right? Yep. Um, and, uh, those were done with John, correct? As well. Yes. John mm-hmm. Mounts. Um, what was that, uh, process like, or how, uh, how do those records come about? Was it again, like a, a plans for writing an album or were you just writing songs and said, we've got a batch, let's go record them and put this out. Um, uh, well, I think by the time we had enough um, enough songs for the first album, I think in order to do the drums, like we were, like I remember, like I think like the one of the days that we spent, I think it was like a couple weekends um, where we kind of had to like blast through the drums in order to get them done because uh, my son Henry was like, a couple weeks old. Um, And so it was like, yeah, like we, it's like, we've got the tunes don't exactly have the time. Like, you know, we can, you know, uh, you know, let's try to like focus and like really like, I remember like sitting down and having like a notebook with like, just like writing down like dates and like really trying to figure out like how to do it. Uh And, um, uh, but yeah. And then it was, uh yeah it was like recording all the drums and then uh and then like editing them and then um uh and then sort of operations went to went to John's and that was that was a little bit of a stop and start thing to uh just cuz um like the recording equipment that was at the AJ Land space uh like was available us uh, for us to use, but it was not ours. Um, and then okay. uh, it, like the person who owned it was like paying rent in the space, but was never like, like he was never around to use the space. And, um, and then eventually was like, like this isn't the greatest part of town. And I have like really, really kick-ass gear in a room <laughs> that is like not the best room. I'm going to, I'm going to take that stuff. And, uh, so yeah, once we started doing, um, yeah, I think there's maybe only like a couple of guitar tracks and maybe a bass track that survive from, uh, from recording at AJ land. And I think like all the rest of it was just done at, uh, at John's. Okay. Um, And that was, that was more of like a, more of like a one at a time, uh, thing. Like, uh, like the way that we did the drums was everyone, everyone was playing with me, like directly into, um, directly into the board and no amps were there. So just like, we knew that we wanted to kind of like, like take our time and replace that. But I also did not want to be like playing to tracks, uh, playing to a click. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I can do it. It's not my favorite thing to do. And plus in this band, I feel like, you know, having slight tempo ch- uh, shifts mm-hmm. and like freedom to kind of go where you need to go is really, really important. And being locked into like a set tempo is really yeah. tough. And even if like, you know, I mean, even like doing doing like a tempo map thing where, you know, doing a click track ahead of time and like figuring out where the song speeds up and whatever, it's just like, you know, a lot of the time it's just easier to like feel it out and just play it yeah. and uh, and then move on. So that's what we decided to do. And, you know, oftentimes we would just like kind of start the song uh, with a click just to, just to get us in the, um, in the zone. And then 
like eventually like it's like all right we're in like a good spot john just shut it off and Mm-hmm. And then we'd um, and just continue. For the second album, I think we were really wanting to do it uh, like as much as how like we normally play with each other as possible. Oh, okay. Um, and like you're biking a practice, basically. <laughs> but basically, um, and we were not um, not terribly concerned with bleed. I think we had um, one inspiration for that album uh, production wise was melancholy and the infinite sadness by smashing pumpkins. Like, you know, they recorded in their practice space. They were like, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some bleed that happens. Uh, you know, they're definitely like, if you listen to that, right. I mean, there's like a million songs on that album. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, you definitely can tell like, like, all right, well, these songs are definitely like, they sound like a little bit more controlled. And, uh, you know, like I know, you know, they had like some of their like amp cabinets and whatever, like in ISO cabs and, uh, or like whatever. And um, so like, you know, when they would be doing a take, they'd like click over to those. And so they'd still be recording them, but it'd be like silent or whatever. And then there are some to- uh, songs where it's, like you absolutely can tell that it is like dangerously loud in that room and you you just feel it, you know? And, uh, and it was like, if we can get to like the halfway point between the controlled stuff for that, but also like the really unhinged shit, like Uh that's like, I think that was, that's where we want to be. So, yeah, I mean, we, we were able to control it, to like a pretty good degree. I mean, that room was pretty big. Um, but, um, so is like every guitarist's rig in that band. (laughs) So, uh, and, um, so yeah, we did kind of like stash, um, uh, like cabinets in like another room as much as we could. Like we tried to isolate the bass as much as possible. Like the guitars we weren't too concerned about, but, um, uh, but yeah, so like everything was kind of like baffled up and whatever. But but yeah, I mean, we had like just yeah, like tons of mics on everything, and yeah. uh, and and it was the first time that I was ever able to work like that. Like most of my um, uh, like recorded output up until that time was done in the sort of piecemeal fashion where, you know, you're like building a house, like, you Mm -hmm. know, you like lay down the drums first and then you just kind of keep going up and up and up. And so this way, the fact that, you know, we did, um, like, I think we spent like one weekend doing like the first half and then the, and like the very next weekend after that doing the other half. And in like two weekends, it was like, we have like 80% of this album done already. Yeah. And it was amazing feeling. Cause like, you know, <laughs> we, like we had, you know, it's this sort of thing where you have to work so hard in order to make sure that those songs are going to be like, as you know, that you're playing them to the best of your ability. So you're not wasting everybody's time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so you just have to be very, very tight. And, uh, and yeah, and I and you know I I feel like we got to that place because I mean like some of those, yeah I think like some of those performances are pretty ridiculous and like a lot a lot of those solos are 
Brian live on the floor. Like those aren't overdubs. Like he just did those, which oh, is wow, amazing. Okay. Like, like there's still some stuff like he'll, you know, I'll listen to that record and like, like some stuff will happen. And I'm just like, I was looking right at him when he did it. And I was playing the drums at that point. Like I just, it's amazing. Some of the stuff that that guy can do. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> just yeah, I mean, it's a, it's such. It was an exciting experience, and it, it's an exciting band to play with for sure. Um, but yeah, that was yeah, like we're recording that album, like just like the basic tracks. I mean, recording everything was great because we got to do um, a lot of fun stuff in the overdub stage. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, just for the basic tracks, it was like that was some of the most fun that I've ever had recording. You know, I wanted to also talk to you about uh, some of your solo work. I guess you're kind of talking about recording an album pretty quick. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of your solo albums, um, High Heaviness, was written and recorded in a month, basically, that's, right? That's correct. Yeah, it was, um, it was part of RPM Challenge, which uh, is, it was originally like sponsored by uh, a magazine called the wire, which is not around anymore. Uh, it was a New Hampshire publication. And, uh, so RPM stands for record production month. And, uh, so the idea is that in the month of February, uh, you write and record 10 songs or 30 minutes of material. And it's, uh, you know, primarily like a creative exercise Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think it came at a time where, where I think we, like the brother kite, had done some recording, and I had a bunch of songs, but um, we just had like it was just it was at one of those times where it was just impossible to nail anybody down, and uh-huh. I was like uh, just you know going nuts, not being able to like have. Uh, yeah have songs be worked on or whatever and or i don't know that's a weird thing to say but like it just i don't know i was i was getting antsy basically yeah so um and uh and really the decision to do rpm challenge was almost last minute like i was <laughs> like i think it was like a week before i was like you know um like you it's like yeah you're yeah, you're getting kind of antsy, but RPM is like going to happen in like a week. You could just do an RPM album just to see if you could. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, and I like it, I think it was like 11 o'clock the night before and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do this. And uh, wow. and I like went on the page and like registered and then was like, 
like, shit, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah, clicked enter. Go ahead. And then, and then proceeded to haul ass for the rest of February. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, which was, yeah, uh, that was, it was nuts. Um, uh, again, the AJ space that, wow, the AJ space has come up a lot in this conversation. Yeah. Uh, the drums were done there. Um, and uh, um, those, yeah, they were done in like a single, like, I think like eight hour session. Um, just had to like blast through them. And uh, and then I had, uh, I had originally planned on doing, um, doing the guitar tracks there, but like I did a couple there, but I just kind of ran out of time to be able to do them, you know, just like, you know, like some of the, some of the miking that I wanted to do didn't quite pan out or whatever. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I ended up, um, yeah, I ended up just kind of like, well, like, you know, I gotta, I gotta do what I can to to get this stuff done. So I ended up just like um, using a actually, um, I think it's here. One of I used for the majority of those guitars, uh, one of those little like Vox headphone amps, like little tiny. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Things and uh, yeah, and so. Like once that once that was kind of in place, I was like, just kind of breathed a sigh of relief because I was like, oh well, I can, you know, this means that I can, you know, come downstairs and do this like after you know after Henry goes to bed and not bother anybody and like and I know that it will sound, um, you know, a bit like like the one that I had at the time was, you know, model after the ac30 and at the time i was using an ac30 and Mm -hmm. um so it was like well yeah i mean this seems like a no-brainer this is totally gonna work and i think it did i mean um uh and uh definitely a um a showcase for 12 string electric guitar um (laughs) it's most of what i did on there um using i think i had at that point probably like pretty recently had requ- uh, acquired a um uh a rickenbacker uh 360 12 and i got it in a trade i traded a moog synthesizer for it and uh kind of kicking myself for getting rid of the synth but i was not using it at the time and yeah. i play that guitar all the time <laughs> like it is it is uh, it's a favorite of mine I, i'd been waiting a long time to get one like so having one be able to come to me so easily yeah. was uh was crazy um and uh so yeah i think like a lot of those songs were like born out of like okay well i have i finally have a rick now what am i going to do with it and oh, okay and so a lot of those songs are just like completely rick heavy and um uh yeah and i think yeah john definitely was like like are you sure you don't want to like save some of these for (laughs) for like (laughs) other stuff and i was like like i'm kind of on a mission here like you know i don't know and i'm I'm not i'm unsure of about um like the possibility of like re-recording them because like i don't know i mean i know that there are some on there that i i wish i had uh been able to do a better job on but again it was like you know 
the kind of pressure that you're under in that situation for RPM challenge is insane. Like, yeah. you know, especially when it's just yourself, uh, yeah. you know, like it's, you know, as a person who puts like a pretty heavy amount of pressure on himself to like do like the best possible stuff he can, um, like that on top of like, oh yeah, and you have like the shortest month to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it was really like, you know, uh, like literally working down to the wire. I mean, like we were. Uh, I was sending off stuff to John to like do like little mastering work. I would, I mean, it was like, yeah, I mean, like I remember, I think I had sent the last one to him at like, like one or two in the morning on like March 1st. And I think like the deadline was 10 a.m. March 1st and, I, and he had gone to bed and I was like, oh God, this isn't going to be done. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it was very close to not being done. And I remember being at work and I was like, uh, like, I, can you do me a humongous favor? And like, it's like, you have all the songs there. Can you sequence them in this order? And like, uh, and then send it to this address because <laughs> I cannot do it right now because I am at work. Uh, yeah. And and he was like, "Oh man, I, I didn't even know that there was like a, a another one coming down. I'll do it right now." And so uh, <laughs> so yeah, it ended up uh, it ended up working out in the long run. But that was that was scary. Like yeah. you know, like thinking that you worked so hard to do to do all that and it may not happen based on like you know just like just. <laughs> just like just having having worked too late, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To go to bed. <laughs> it's tough. Um, yeah, yeah. It seems like college or something like that. You know, you've got like the big yeah. paper that you've got to do, and you're mm-hmm. like running down the hall. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. brutal. Um, oh, cool. Well, I'm glad you did it. It's, it's some good stuff to listen to. Yeah. Um, Thank you. You also came out with another solo record uh, earlier this year that is a, a little bit different than uh, yeah. anything else you've done. Um, can you talk a little bit about the inspiration uh, for uh, that? Um, yeah. So um, you were referring to, uh, referring to Morning Pages. Morning Pages, uh, yeah. Yep. So I had, um, 
started to uh, adopt a practice where um, where every morning I would uh, um, like like you know if I had like an hour before work I would come downstairs and uh, like plug in my stuff uh, going you know directly into the computer and just sort of um, uh, I just like not really like writing songs, but like creating sound and, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, yeah, I like, you know, sort of in the, in the vein of like Brian Eno and, uh, and Robert Fripp and, uh, sort of that's kind of my wheelhouse. And, uh, so, um, one thing that I had really wanted to do was, uh, figure out how to incorporate some sort of uh, um, some sort of a synthesizer uh, component to my um, my guitar setup, okay. and um, so it took me a long time to kind of brainstorm how I could do it in, with the um, with having to buy the least amount of equipment. Because I mean, w- when you when you start doing this sort of thing, uh, I mean, y- you can you could sink like a stupid amount of money into into okay. equipment, you know. So uh, so, but I finally figured out um, that if I um, if I used uh, iPad synthesizer patches uh, in conjunction with um like a piece of software and uh like the iRig HD little guitar interface for uh for iOS devices that okay. um with that plus like a little bit of um uh um like a, a little bit of like a build uh like an add-on to my pedal board uh I could have a setup where I'm playing the guitar, but the signal is split from, uh, this is going to get real technical for a second, but, uh, so, you know, from my guitar, it goes into a pedal board and the signal is split. One side goes to, um, a volume pedal and out to a summing amplifier. And then, uh, the other side of it goes, to a send on the front of said board into the iRig HD uh, and out from there into <laughs> the uh, return on the board and then to a second volume pedal and then out from that to the summing amplifier then to my main pedal board. So what that does is uh, that enables me to have a dry guitar signal, uh, like basically like independent volume between a dry guitar signal and a synthesizer signal uh, being triggered from the iPad. Um, so if I wanted to play like just straight synth by triggering it with the guitar, all I have to do is just like turn one volume pedal down all the way. Uh, and, uh, so that plus, um, uh, you know, I have a, uh, like at this point, just because of logistics, uh, my pedal board, my whole rig is like a, um, like a digital, one it's a fractal ax8 uh and um it's uh awesome feels weird because i'm like 
a dude who likes to build amps. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like I like tube amps a lot, you know. Uh, like, uh, so for me to have this thing that can do pretty much anything that you want it to do is very strange still. And I've had it for a couple of years now. So, yeah. um, but anyway, so you are able to, um, because it's a computer processor, like, you know, you can have access to like much longer delay times than, uh, than you normally would with your average pedal. And, uh, so I started to, um, yeah, I started to just sort of like do these sorts of things in the morning where I'd be just sort of like making a sound collage, but all just with one instrument, uh, going through this setup and all improvised. And, Uh um, I have, I think, you know, I think just before, just before coronavirus, you know, beat everything down, um, I had like, I was still like, like still within this practice. I think I have somewhere around like 17 or 18 hours of, of stuff like this. Um, (laughs) so, and I mean, you know, when you're doing it, like, pretty much every morning for months like it it adds up pretty fast but um so uh and i mean it really wasn't for any you know at first i wasn't even recording it um i i was just doing it for me like just as a you know as a just like a fun way to start the day and then um playing exercise or something right 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 and uh so brian from snowplows and then um uh, and friend and bandmate DJ Potter from Monodrone Orchestra, which is our sort of like guitar noise orchestra thing. Um, uh, they were both like, what is wrong with you? We want to hear this stuff. <laughs> like, please record it so we can at least hear some of it. And yeah. uh, so I started doing that. And then, um, so yeah. And like, you know, every, you know, I would wait for like the delay to... Uh, to stop and then stop the recording, bounce it, you know, to disc and then send it to them in an email. And like, uh, yeah. And then eventually like there were a few pieces that I thought would work pretty well together. And, um, yeah. And I decided to, uh, yeah. I mean, just decided to put them together and, um, and put it out. I mean, but you're, you're kind of like piecing these things together from, the improvised pieces or uh, they, like yeah, yeah sort of so um of so well morning pages are like it's two tracks both tracks are yeah there aren't like any uh any edits at all like those are just okay. like like front to back like like improvised pieces and they you know like crossfade into one another so yeah um and yeah and i you know and I, that's fun but i think like like there could be, you know, ones that I've done, you know, that like have a similar mood and are probably in a similar key that could work uh, pretty well together. So, yeah, I mean, really, like I have no agenda for this. So the sky's the limit. <laughs> like yeah, I could yeah. definitely go crazy with this stuff. That's cool. It's uh, mm. exciting to to hear you talk about this stuff and kind mm. of go down that new sort of endeavor, you know, mm-hmm. so... Um, you know, with, with all this, Patrick, what would you say is your greatest music accomplishment? I don't know. I mean, I think we probably have like discussed it already, but like, I think, you know, 
like being being in a band that was able to to tour and like do the things that like you hear bands you know do you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know like hopping in a van and like you know just like jamming a bunch of people into a hotel room and doing stupid shit on the road and like <laughs> all that like it's you know it's fun to know that I was a part of that yeah. and um yeah i mean there like i don't know i think there i mean there's for me something special in every like in every album that like that seems to come out i would say that like like i i'm probably waiting for the time to be right i think like uh like again like i think more people would know like uh who the band is and perhaps who i am because of because of that work and um it being you know i don't know i just have like a lot of um like a lot of good memories from that time and Mm -hmm. uh you know just like like how exciting it was to you know to be working in an environment that you created you know and uh so yeah it was um yeah i don't know probably yeah probably that i think yeah well this has been awesome thank you so much patrick no thank you this has been really fun